Welcome to the Moore Report Podcast Edition, brought to you by the law firm of McCarthy, Lebeck, Crystal, and Liffman. Each week, we will address the most pressing legal news and trending developments impacting our local, regional, and national economies. What you hear on today's podcast is intended for promotional and educational purposes only and should not be taken or construed as legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not create or imply any attorney-client relationship without a fully executed letter of engagement. McCarthy, Levitt, Crystal, and Liffman assumes no liability for any actions taken by you based on what you hear on today's podcast and cautions all of our listeners not to act on anything you hear without first consulting with professional legal counsel. If you are in a position to need or you are considering hiring legal counsel, we invite you to visit our website at www.mccarthylevitt.com to learn more about our capabilities and experience and to contact one of our dedicated attorneys directly. And now, without further ado, here is the More Report Podcast Edition. Hello and welcome to another episode of the More Report Podcast Edition. I am Jim Gerald, Director of Marketing and Business Development for McCarthy Levitt. Uh, and your host for this episode, the season premiere of our second season of the More Report Podcast Edition. So thank you for sticking with us through the uh, past year. And now as we enter into 2022, we're looking forward to a brand new season of, of great episodes of content with uh, attorneys at McCarthy Levitt. Well, today, actually, I've got a really great one for you. I'm joined by David Cuppage, a principal at McCarthy Lovett, who has a diverse legal practice that touches just about everything around here. <laughs> General litigation, business and transactional, real estate and construction, criminal defense. Welcome to the podcast. David. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me today. So today, David and I uh, are going to have a little conversation about something called eminent domain which is the government's authority to appropriate property that you may own or that may be owned by some other private individual or a business. And with the Biden infrastructure bill about to kick off major government construction projects across the country, you're likely to hear more about eminent domain in the near future. Now, David is here to help us understand who can claim eminent domain, what protections there are for the landowner, and what, if anything, can a property owner do to prevent it? Now, in case you missed it, David recently blogged about this on the Moore Report blog, which you can find on our website at www.mccarthylevitt.com. And an exact link to that uh, blog post can be found in our episode liner notes. But before we get into all of today's conversation, David, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your practice? Sure, uh, Jim, you know, my practice is, uh primarily uh, in the area of business and commercial and real estate litigation. Um, within that realm of business and commercial litigation, I do a decent amount of real estate litigation, including land use, zoning, and relevant to today's conversation, eminent domain. Um, I have represented in the last 20 years, I've represented both governmental entities in exercising uh, eminent domain uh, proceedings and processes, 
And uh, more recently, I focused more on representing property owners in um, litigation against governmental entities, uh, where we um, typically seek to increase the compensation that our clients are entitled to uh, when their property is being appropriated. Well, that's great. Um, so you're going to have plenty of fresh experience to share with us today. <laughs> I, ho I hope so. I believe. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump right into this, shall we? Um, why don't you start off by explaining what is meant by eminent domain? Now, I gave a rudimentary um, definition in my introduction, but what is it? What's it used for and who can claim it? Yeah, right. Well, your, your uh, explanation was pretty spot on. Eminent domain is the power of the federal, state, and local governments to take private property for public use. Um, the entities that can take your property include the federal government, state, counties, and local governments. Um, the, the power of eminent domain is also or also extends to um, government entities such as the Ohio Department of Transportation, regional transit and airport authorities, port authorities, county hospital commissions, park board commissions, universities, public universities, and public community college districts. Um, the Department of Environmental Protection can also um, exercise uh, the power of eminent domain, as, as can other governmental agencies and entities. So basically, the government. <laughs> um, and the, use, the, the, the right to exercise eminent domain is for a public use, and that specifically would refer to such things as roads, sewers, utilities, sidewalks, governmental buildings, airports, schools, libraries, museums, and, uh, you know, frankly, even parks. So it's, you know, anything that touches on what a government might do and what it might use property for, it extends uh, into the domain of, um, well, eminent domain to be specific. So can a property owner challenge a land taking? How would they go about challenging a claim of eminent domain? Well, you know, the, the short answer is yes. Um, landowners, property owners can challenge the right to take, uh, specifically whether the taking is for a public use. They can challenge the process being used and the amount being paid for the property and for damages to the property. Um, you know, generally a landowner is entitled to receive fair notice, it means having enough time to seek uh, the advice of an attorney to prepare an objection, to uh, prepare uh, the landowner's um, statement or opinion of value. Um, the landowner is given the chance to be heard if an actual taking is happening and whether the taking was for a public use and uh, specifically whether the, uh, the amount of money that's being offered for the landowner's property is fair and just compensation. Ohio law also requires a governmental agency to proceed in good faith, proceed with good faith negotiations, um, and specifically to pay, pay fair compensation. And all of those things are very integral to the entire process uh, and to a property owner's rights. Are those challenges typically successful? And if they are, what, what's, what are the grounds or representation of facts that sort of need to be present to successfully challenge it? Sure, that, that's, that's a good question. And the, the answer is, you know, it depends and it's very fact specific. Um, you know, in most cases, the right to take 
uh, property is generally not challenged so long as the taking is for a public use. And that question is pretty well settled. The things I described earlier, um, the taking of property for roads or sewers or utilities, <coughs> parks, governmental buildings, that's all very clearly a public use. Um, but you know, the question still must be asked and answered, is the property, is my property being taken for a public use? Or is the property being taken for the benefit of a private entity? Uh, if the case, if, if the case is that the property is being taken for the benefit of another private entity, then a challenge can be successful. Um, you know, previously, Ohio law considered the promotion of economic development, for example, uh, to be a public purpose warranting the exercise of eminent domain. But that law changed in 2007. Private property cannot be taken on the basis of economic development alone. Um, instead, the property must be deemed blighted. Uh, this, this change ensures that a, uh, a public purpose for the taking of property is, is based on economic development and it must be tied to the elimination of blight and the redevelopment of property for the public's benefit. Um, th this requirement requires the state to undertake a very comprehensive blight study, that blight studies can be challenged. Uh, but what we typically see, what, what is usually the case is that the amount that is being paid by the government can always be challenged. You always have a right to go to court and have your case heard uh, in front of a jury. Uh, and the jury then decides and determines whether government is offering you fair market value for your your property <clears throat> so does the property owner have to accept the state's offer what if they think it's worth more than the state is offering them absolutely not the, the property owner does not have to accept the state's offer uh, and if they don't accept the state's offer the next step is for the government to file a petition for appropriation with an appropriate court and uh, there's very specific processes and procedures that the uh, that the courts will use, um, but the uh, the property owner has an absolute right to have a jury determine what the fair market value of his or her property is. The property owner has a right to obtain his or own her own appraisal. The property owner has a right to testify before a jury as to the owner's opinion of value, um, and you know it. it Ohio law is pretty clear that fair market value of property is the price which would be agreed upon at a voluntary sale by an owner who's willing to sell and a purchaser who is willing to buy. It can't be a situation where the state is coercing the property owner to accept a low ball offer, which we see. Uh, it has to be based on what a, you know, what a fair market transaction would look like. And you know, in determining that, the amount of compensation or the market value of the property taken, each case must be considered in the light of its own facts. And every element, every fact, every bit of information that can fairly enter into the question of value and which an ordinarily prudent business person would consider before uh, forming a judgment in making a purchase should be considered. So a property owner has a right to go to court and produce all of the facts that relate to his or her property and all of the, the elements that, that that property is being used for 
um, and have a jury consider that evidence and determine what the fair market value of your property uh, is going to be. So what if um, what if I'm a property owner and uh, my property is adjacent to, let's say, a piece of property that you just had appropriated by the state, and then their development of that land caused damage on my property? What's my, or is there any remedy for me? Well, you know, typically in a situation like that, if your property is not being touched, if it's not physically being taken, the answer is no. You don't have any any rights. You don't have any remedies. But that's a little bit tricky. We, we get into situations and we see situations where uh, the government, for example, will build a road on property adjacent to your property. It's not touching your property. It's not actually physically taking your property, but perhaps the road causes flooding onto your property, redirects um, a stream or a creek, or it causes a damming effect um, on your property. And all of a sudden the property that you, you have is no longer usable. That, that's an example of inverse condemnation. In a situation like that, the answer is yes. A property owner does have rights. The government's taking of your property, I should say the government's taking of property adjacent to your property has caused damage to your property by flooding, for example. And that's a situation where we can uh, we can help. We can, we can make a claim for inverse condemnation. We can petition the courts, force the government to uh, proceed with an eminent domain appropriation case and, and you know, find a remedy and get you get the property owner fair value compensation for that <coughs> physical taking. So that that's a great question. Um, typically, no, but there's there are plenty of situations that we see where an inverse condemnation claim can be made and successfully. Are are these cases um, in court often decided by juries or are they bench trials? The the right to take. Now, whether the government is taking property for a public use, that's a bench trial. Um, the amount of compensation that uh, that a property owner is entitled to is a jury trial. So we, we see them, you know, broken and, uh, you know, divided in half or, or we, we see these cases uh, bifurcated. Sometimes you have to challenge them in different courts. But um, the right to take is a bench trial, and the amount of compensation that a property owner is entitled to is a jury trial. So, so one more follow-up about, about that, because you've mentioned this concept of just compensation a couple of times, and I know you, you referred to it as, you know, a situation where, you know, the seller is willing to sell and the buyer is willing to buy, and there's no coercion on either side. Is that sort of more or less the instruction that's given to that jury, or do they just get to decide for the, themselves what just compensation means? No, the, the court is going to give some pretty specific instructions to the jury in terms of what the definition is of fair market value. And in fact, the you know the the court is going to instruct the jury 
that um, exactly as I said, as, exactly as I said, you know, each case must be considered in the light of its own facts. Right. Every element, every fact, every bit of information that can be fairly viewed and considered by a property owner as being important to his or her use of that property uh, is going to be considered by the jury. And the jury and the property owner has a right for the jury to consider that information. So um, the law is pretty specific. And, you know, when you present a case in front of a jury, um, you, you want to come in armed with with a lot of facts. First of all, you know, the property owner has a right to give uh, an owner's opinion of value. And, and we, we do that all the time. And uh, we also we bring in expert witnesses. We're going to bring in um, uh, MAI appraisers who have testified in court before and are, uh, have sufficient qualifications to um, present a fair market appraisal. We see brokers coming in and providing a broker's opinion to value. So there's, there's lots of elements that go into these types of cases. Um, there's also damages. And sometimes, you know, a property is, is damaged by what, what remains is damaged by the actual physical taking. So if you can't use the, your property anymore because half of it is taken and you no longer have sufficient parking or you no longer have sufficient setbacks and you can't use your property for the purposes for which you purchased it for that very special specific purpose, you can be compensated for the damages to the property that remains. And that's also a, a relatively complicated um, set of facts and you know expert testimony appraisals brokers and uh, other expert witnesses are are used in order to um, provide the evidence and the testimony needed to demonstrate what your damages are and frankly sometimes you have to fix the damages that are caused so you have to reconfigure yeah. your property in in those situations you might need civil engineers to testify well this is how we need to redirect you're in and out traffic. This is where we need to we need to put parking over here now, and we need to reconfigure some things. And so, your cost to cure is also an element of damages that you know we can present to a jury and um, get the property owner the compensation that they're entitled to. So, David, when somebody comes to you with with what they are presenting as an eminent domain case, what are the things that you're looking for to decide whether there's a case or not, or if you even want to take on the case? Sure. Um, I think the, the first thing we look at is what is that, what exactly is the government doing? Um, are they in fact taking property for a public use or, or there, are they taking property to give to another private entity to, uh, you know, for other, uh, other purposes. So we look at that. Um, then we go to what exactly, what property is being taken. There, there's, there are full takings where you lose all of your land, all of your unmovable personal property. Um, you need to relocate and start over a new location, a new business somewhere else. Um, in those situations, you're entitled to compensation for all of those losses. So we, we need to look at that, look very hard at what's being taken. Sometimes there are just partial takings. That's when the government only needs a part of your land and leaves you with the, you know, with the remaining part. Um, often you lose more than just the land that is taken. Your remaining property loses uh, the ability to, to 
conduct the business that you were conducting at that property previously. That's the example I talked about earlier, where government takes half of your land. Uh, you can no longer use the remaining portion of your land for the business you were, you know, you were using it for previously. And, and so all of a sudden, the, the remaining portion of your land is damaged in addition to the fact that you've lost half of your land anyway. Right. Um, you know, we're going to look at what type of temporary takings and easements are, are also being used. Sometimes the government is going to come in and use portions and, and bits and pieces and parts of your land to construct the road. They're going to take strips. They're going to store equipment on your land. Um, they're going to use it for temporary construction easements. You're entitled to compensation for that as well. And typically, it's going to be the fair market value of the, the rental that you would you would otherwise receive for that. Um, permanent easements, we, we look at that too. They may not take actually physically take the entire land, but they may put, you know, pipe, you know, pipes or utilities or something through your land. And so you're not able to use the land for the intended purpose. Um, it's not completely taken, but there is value to the to the permanent easement that uh, is being taken. So you you know we're going to use appraisers and uh, brokers uh, to tell us what the value is of, um, of of that property. So you know we're gonna we we need to know everything about your property, what you use it for, when you bought it, what kind of investments improvements you've you put into the property. We're going to want to know whether you can use it after the property has been has been appropriated or a portion of it's been appropriated. And there's also the, you know, the business side of it, too. Um, if you need to relocate your, your business because, the, you know, it, you can no longer conduct business on the property, you may be entitled to relocation costs. Um, you may be entitled to loss of personal property. You may be entitled to the loss of ingress and egress to your property. And uh, you may be entitled to certain economic damages too, loss of goodwill for some businesses and for family farms. So there's a, a lot of things we're going to look at, but uh, basically anything that touches on the value of your property and the business that's operating on your property, we're going to want to know about it. And, you know, we're going to roll up our sleeves and um, you know, figure out the best way to get you, the property owner, the just compensation that you're entitled to. So bottom line, David, what's your best advice for a prospective client out there who may be listening today or and may be facing this issue because the state approaches them to take part of their property? What do they need to do? What do they need to prepare or be ready to share when they come to talk to an attorney? Well, I, they, they first of all, it, when the moment you find out whether it's through a notice of intent to appropriate your property or through some other um some other fashion the moment you find out that your property is being considered for an, an appropriation you need to go see an attorney who focuses or concentrates on appropriation and eminent domain law and you need to be prepared to talk about the value of your property not just you know how much you paid for it 10 years ago but right what types of improvements you've made um, and what the what the what is the current value? What is the current worth of this property today as we speak? Not as it's affected by the appropriation, but as it sits there, you know, the day before the appropriation. So a, a, everything, 
you know, if you've had the property appraised previously, that's important. We need to know that. If you recently received a mortgage loan on the property, chances are the bank has done an appraisal. Uh, so we need to know that. We just we need to know everything you use your property for and everything that touches on value. So, you know, go see an attorney and uh, be prepared to, to tell us everything about your property that uh, you think is is relevant to help you form an opinion on what your value, what your property is valued at. Now, would you say they should definitely do that before they even engage with the with the government entity? Absolutely. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to go into negotiations with the government unarmed uh, without really understanding or knowing what your rights are or uh, you know how much your property is worth today. Believe me, the, the government is going to come in and uh, they're not going to have the same opinion of the value of your property as you are. So you need to react quickly and with sufficient information that uh, that's going to be able to you know, help the attorney that's representing you in this process to argue your case and submit, you know, your best case first. Hopefully you can get the case resolved early on. You know, the government is required to engage in good faith negotiations. And, and you know, lots of times they do, but you're not always going to be able to reach an agreement. You're not going to have the same opinions of value and certainly, um, you know, make sure before you you agree to what the government is telling you the value of your property is that you talk to someone, including an attorney, a real estate agent, brokers, appraisers, to get an understanding of what the value of your property is and what your rights are too, of course. Well, David, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all this great information with our audience. It's it's really been an absolute pleasure speaking with you about this and I look forward to uh, the, the next time we can get together for this. Great. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure uh, talking about this. And I want to thank all of you for joining us this week on the More Report podcast edition, our season two premiere. When you expect more, you get more. Why would you expect anything less? And don't forget to check out a brand new episode of the More Report anywhere you download your favorite podcasts. On behalf of the law firm of McCarthy, Crystal, and Liffman, I'm Jim Gerald.